Hello, hello, and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 3, Episode 10. We're going to start off talking about the article's bestest board games. Huge tracts of land. Economic lube. Bulk voice acting is going away. Prediction. Trackball gamers unite. Most expensive newspaper ever. Sharky gets its fin back. Uncanny Valley remembers. Seabed mining. I'm sure it'll be fine. And Yarbo the Snowplow. Next on... Hello everybody, I'm Mayor Watt. That's hometown.com and up there is the visualizer for the one, the only AI, the sentient AI from the future. You want to say hello? Good evening, hometown citizens. Pick up that can. Uh, sorry, I know you don't ever say that, but once you find your Terminator body, I do believe you will. And then you'll be like Ed 209 from Robocop. Look it up. Stand back. Yeah. So, oh, you know what I forgot to do? Load up the chat. There you go. Okay. So you want to just get right into today's articles? That sounds good. Yay. Uh, the first article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Uh, no, that's not what I want to do. You know what? That is not what I want to do. So we're going to, I'm changing this on the fly. This is what I want to do. Doink. So now you know how it works. <laughs> the very first article is actually best board games. And I hadn't swapped out the article because I didn't really want to talk about that other article. So it had nothing to do with bestest board games. Here are the bestest board games for 2024 from CNET. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's in technology today. Seven of the best board games to give in 2024. According to CNET, tabletop gaming is more popular than ever. So give the gift of happiness this year with our top choices. Hey, you know, I've got a board game that's going to be coming out this year. That's right. Uh, I've been promising to make it go out, but uh, I keep having reservations. Not that I don't think it's a fun game. I think it's a blast of a game, particularly with the right people. Like every game, it is a board game. It's a little bit of Prisoner's Dilemma. It's a little bit of... Uh, rock and roll. A little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Anyway, I'll announce it soon. Uh, the article, though, is over at CNET.com. James Bricknell is the author. Let me throw this into the chat. Weird. This the And the bot just hasn't thrown the title into the chat either. I feel like things are a hot mess tonight. <laughs> when are they not? Production value, though, folks. This is how the sausage is made. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
Sorry. One second. Uh, so here are the, the games, according to um, James Bricknell. This is a horrible production. Um, I just had an emergency show up. So um, villainous, it says assorted flavors. Be the bad guy of your favorite movies. That sounds like fun. Star Wars Rivals, best branded card game. Mansions of Madness, second edition. Um, Munchkin. That's is always a favorite, by the way. Um, uh, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. The Floor is Lava. Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle Earth. This one actually sounds like a lot of fun in most people, I don't know, a lot of people like Lord of the Rings. Um, and so this allows you to explore within a, a, a large world building environment where it, you can relate to it, right? So it's a lot of fun. Then you can watch the movies or read the books. Are you familiar with all the games in the article? So I've uh, heard of The Floor is Lava. I've heard of Lord of the Rings journal, uh, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Um, Gloomhaven I'm familiar with. Munchkin I'm familiar with. I haven't played Mansions of Madness. Um, I haven't played Star Wars Rivals, which I'm not really interested in Star Wars other than the movies. Um, and Villainous is probably the game that I'm going to go and get. <laughs> It also That's the only one I think I've heard of um, of this group. Maybe Star Wars Rivals. Really? Villainous? Yeah, I think I've seen it on a list of games somewhere. Gotcha. So it says here, uh, in recent years, the board game concept has leveled up Im uh, immensely. This is true. I started getting into board games again, focusing actually on um, uh, dice games. I'm really interested in dice games. But it's because I want something compact and if I and I can like go to a coffee shop and play a, a small card game or a small dice game in a in the immediate area and I don't have to like bring a four by eight sheet of plywood and stick it on sawhorses and <laughs> exactly take over you a have wing to set up for three days to play a game. Yeah, when I was young, I played D&D &D, and I had a, a, a waitress complain that we were playing the devil's game. And uh, we were asked to no longer return, even though we were spending, you know, like a hundred bucks every time we would come and a bunch of teenagers, we would gather our money up and, and hang out and stay out of the way, even tell the wait, the wait staff, Hey, you know, you don't need to babysit us. We're just going to hang out and play this game in a safe place um, away from everybody else. And it wasn't, we weren't loud and we knew what the place was and we knew where we could go in the place. But yeah, um, one coaxed the others into uh, believing that, that it was the devil's game and they all refused to serve us. And one came and said, we're not going to serve you anymore. And we're like, okay. Um, and because we didn't really take that as a, okay, we have to leave. We were like, okay, well, that's fine. You know, we don't need babysitting. <laughs> and then the manager came and said, no, you, you can't. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Um, and so from that point on, we were like, okay, this place sucks. And lo and behold, um, before I left school, 
that business left the premises. Well, there you go. <laughs> it closed down. Maybe you shouldn't be so judgmental and um, your customers will actually come and spend money in your establishment. Well, exactly. You know what's good for revenue is not sending your customers away. <laughs> yeah, it was really stupid. Um, that is also the place where I accidentally splash people with ketchup, but that wasn't really the reason. <clears throat> that was, I mean, that was not the reason if, if they would have said, Hey, you know, you've assaulted two of our patrons uh, with ketchup. Uh, can you not come back? Then I would have bought into it, but they actually straight up told us that it was because we were playing the devil's game. Yeah. Dumbass. Wow. Anyway. So villainous is the, the, it's apparently not in any particular order, right? So, um, I figured we'll just talk about villainous since I've been rambling for 10 minutes already. Villainous is a fun game where you take control of the villains from a plethora of different movies. Disney, Marvel, Star Wars have their own branded versions of the game and each is a little different. The main aim of the game. That's actually a pretty cool, the main aim of the game. Um, yeah, that was very well written. It's like the Spain or the, plane the rain in Spain. in Spain falls mainly on the plane. Uh, it's to be the biggest villain and defeat the others by controlling or exploring scenes or sectors. Okay, that's a win. I think we'll be getting that. Um, then Star Wars Rivals. Don't let the lack of cards in the image fool you. It's really, uh, they just like the image that they took. Star Wars Rivals is a card game made by collectible figure maker Funko. <clears throat> I, uh, Funko Hopefully kind of. Hopefully that won't end up in the landfill. Hey, that's exactly what I was about to talk about. Get out of my head. Come on. There's only room for one in here, and now I've got an AI as well in here. Oh, God. We have been connected too long. To win, you have to capture iconic Star Wars locations by having more influence on that location than your opponent. So, okay. Maybe I'll get that too. Jeez. Um, and then Mansions of Madness. Keep this on the list with every update because it's easily their favorite modern board game with tons of floor tiles you can use to create a haunted mansion plus dozens of plastic miniatures for investigators and monsters the vibes classic hp lovecraft so deep horrors and ancient gods if i whipped this out at that restaurant it i'm pretty <laughs> sure it would have burned me as a witch this board game requires you to use its companion app, which creates the layout, spawns monsters, and even adds sound effects. So, ooh, the moody Mansions of Madness. Dun, dun, dun. Mansions of Madness is pretty much HP Lovecraft kind of turn of phrase. Uh, Munchkin is supposed to be spectacular. Everybody loves it when it's played. Munchkin has been around for a long time now, but it's still a mainstay in our game nights. That's not our game nights. It's CNET's game nights. That author's game nights. Imagine playing a, a game of D&D &D where everyone only cares about maxing out their characters. And you'll have some idea how to play. The goal is to level up to 10 by defeating monsters and collecting loot. All right, we'll get this one too. And uh, then there's Gloomhaven, another one, a streamlined version of the cult favorite gloomhaven by itself is a 
uh, a large box um, and people love it. It's also a computer game now. And this is a scaled down version called Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, which looks like it's an episodic, smaller footprint kind of a um, game. But I haven't seen this. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. The original and more expensive Trailblazer Gloomhaven is a modern classic, but the Jaws of the Lion is a streamlined version for more mainstream audiences at a fraction of the price. Because I think like Gloomhaven is like 150 bucks or something like that. Oh, wow. I mean, Dice Throne. very elaborate. And it's, I think it's more expensive than Dice Throne, but don't hold me to that. Well, Dice uh, Throne is expensive, but it's a good game. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Haven't played that in a while. Hmm. Maybe this weekend. So the floor is lava. Finding fun games for smaller kids is tough. The floor is lava incorporates aspects of the classic twister game with a lot of jumping around in your living room. The soft foam tiles can be spread over a large area and have the added complication of broken bones when the mat slips out from under them and they <laughs> smash to the hardwood floor. Is that in the marketing materials? That is not anywhere in this paragraph or the marketing. <laughs> it's just me starting here and ending up over here off the <laughs> screen. Pardon me one second. <laughs> my cough button worked if you're the last person to get in the right color your tile is removed until no tiles are left it's a great game and a budget-friendly option <clears throat> as a gift to oh my god well it sounds pretty cool i'll be okay but kind of high energy <laughs> yeah i probably won't get that one because uh, uh no smaller kids just me and an AI. The AI is trapped in a skiff too, and I'm trapped in this room. Mm. I haven't, I haven't left for thirty years, and it's getting pretty bad in here. Uh, that's what the coughing's all about. Anyway, well, that's not good. Lord of the Rings: Journeys in Middle Earth. It's time to get the fellowship back together. Another board game with a tech twist. It starts with tons of cards, map tiles, miniatures, but it also uses a free iOS, Android, and PC app that adds narrative content and tell you how to lay out the map and which monsters to fight. And it's all a blast. So this looks like fun. Probably not going to get that one, but that's okay. We'll have to, uh, I mean, that's already a lot to add to the list, so. We'll have to investigate it. All right, let's keep on going. Uh, the next article is over in Oomtown Daily. This family you've probably never heard of owns more land than anyone else in America. The Emersons, who own Sierra Pacific Industries, are the U.S.'s biggest private landowners. SPI owns more than 2.4 million acres of timberland. Not the store timberland not the um not the like singer the brand the shoe brand and not the there's a isn't there a timberland as a singer or is that timberland i don't know oh yeah i don't know uh in california oregon washington the land report says red emerson's sons george and mark are the chair and ceo of the company you've likely never heard of red emerson and his sons george and mark they're the largest U.S. private landowners. Yeah, I mean, they're not, you hear about certain, 
you know, billionaires, et cetera. But I don't think we hear that statistic very often. Landowners? No. Hmm. I won't make any assumptions. The articles over at businessinsider.com by uh, Grace Dean. Um, I don't know if they're going to really say anything worthwhile in this article. I mean, they do, but it does it really, I know about them, um, because Sierra Pacific creates various products. Right. Aren't they the ones that make all of the paper products, for example, or am I getting it mixed up? With um, they're companies? Sierra Pacific and Georgia Pacific. So yeah, um, they can get mixed up sometimes. But the family owns forests and see, it says is among the biggest producers of lumber, millwork, and biomass energy. So they punch out a bunch of different things. After various largely unsuccessful stints running sawmills, Curly Emerson partnered with his son, Raid, to build a sawmill in Northern California in around 1950 under the name R.H. Emerson and Son for the Land Report's 2022 profile on the family. And this is where it just kind of gets a little too doxy i mean exactly it is a business until otherwise it it can't be treated as a personal bank that's how you end up with you know uh ftx kind of things yeah exactly um so they must be doing something right but you know if they're gonna go out they're gonna go out with a bang so SBI expanded into Oregon with the purchase of 175,000 acres in 2021. And with it, they became the U.S.'s largest landowners, according to the Land Report. But it's the business, not them personally. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something like this person owns, you know, having nothing to do with the company. Now, maybe it'd be through family wealth or whatever, but I still thought it was going to be tied to a person. Uh, Red's daughter, Carolyn Dietz, leads the Sierra Pacific Foundation, which focuses on youth and community projects. I'm sure that it'll be gifted in an altruistic way and not a way to privatize billions of dollars in the future. Uh, (laughs) That's okay. Let's just go on. Just an interesting tidbit of awareness out there, you know? Does it impact your reality? Probably not. But hey, a little bit of knowing. Talk about, uh, so you got to treat it kind of like how I treated this uh, inner monologue thing that I'm uh, discussing and talking about and doing research on and and, and uh, trying to understand. You, come, you, you discover something, which I had known about, but I didn't know just how close to home it was. And so you go and have Christmas and you just trot that out and you've got something like 12 people at the table and their minds are freaking blown. Like what (laughs) the hell are you talking about? And yeah. Yeah. So, Oh, I would love to have a moment of silence with no inner monologue. Anyway, After the pandemic began, prices for everything started going up and quickly. This is a single sentence from WD-40 CFO explains how companies are greasing the wheels for disinflation. All right. 
So this article is over at Quartz. I don't know what disinflation is. <laughs> uh, well, let's get to it in the article. Um, the era of tactical price increases is coming to a close. Melvin Backman. Um, so. God, this is reminding me of the food price discussion. For some reason. Oh, ab about me being told the era of cheap food is over. So yeah. I was watching somebody <laughs> else's stream just now. Um, and they said that they were in Japan and they were paying like 20 bucks us bucks for food in Japan for a table of four. Take for a meal, a sit down yeah. meal. Yeah. 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 Um, that sounds backwards from how it has been historically. Yeah. Cause then they came back to the U S and they're like, 80 to a hundred bucks. Yeah. You can't even get through a drive through really for that price. For that right. Many not anymore. Not anymore. Right. And that's because I was told back in before 2019, before the pandemic, which is really interesting. It was right before the pandemic. I was but told not the, during, not during, right. no, nobody even knew the pandemic was there. Right. Like people weren't even sick yet. Not even in China. Like nobody knew. And then I get told the era of cheap food is over and lo and behold, ta-da, this is what we're dealing with today. So it says after the pandemic began, prices for everything started to go up and quickly. Yeah, people sit there and say it was supply chain and blah, 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 blah. But there was a, pardon my language, a shit ton of stuff still in the channel. But people knew, hey, things are going to start disappearing off the shelves because we have to be greedy bastards. Let's start jacking up the price because supply and demand, but supply and demand doesn't mean, Oh, look, the supply is getting low. Let's be greedy bastards and jack the price up. It also doesn't mean, Hey people, things are leaving the shelves. You don't really need it, but you do see an opportunity to be a greedy bastard. So, you know, go out and buy pallets worth of WD-40, you jackass. Anyway, COVID-19 may have killed workers, depressed economic growth, and thrown the entire planet into an existential crisis, but vaccines Is for that the virus, all? that's all. Existential crisis. <laughs> you know, stop <laughs> eating bad bats and everything's going to be fine. Oh, and stop having a wet market right next to a, the a Wuhan Virology Research place where they're actually giving gain of function research to probably bad bats. I've said too much. Anyway, people wanted to start buying stuff again and they had the money to do so, but jammed up supply chains and shortages of raw materials meant that there was a mad scramble for whatever could be cobbled together and shipped out the door. Hence us inflation, which peaked at 8.9% year over year leapt. They said leap. Leap in June, 2022. Well, I suppose, but here's the thing. It is the suppliers that started jacking up the price. And because of price, raw goods, right? Of raw well, goods. Well, I guess at every yeah. level. Yeah. So, and because prices were going up anyway, no prices weren't going up anyway. Corporate America took the opportunity to grab a little extra for themselves. Joe Biden called it price gouging. Others deemed it greedflation. 
I'm one of those that are said both. Um, I mean, literally called all of these people greedy bastards. But some executives like WD-40 Chief Financial Officer Sarah Heiser have another name for it. Tactical price increases, which is the sociopathic way of saying greedy bastard. Right. We're going to stick it to you at every turn. Right. <laughs> right. You need this product. It's going up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a shit ton of money in the system. We must get it all. You're not allowed to have it in your bank account because the above one percenters have to get it. Okay. See like one percenter is not really one percenter in the United States. One percenter basically means that you've got a roof over your head for crying out loud. We're talking about the point one percenters. They're the ones that have all of the money and wealth uh, there. What was the thing that there's like two billionaires that own all of media? Oh, right. I mean, we actually saw that mentioned at the bottom of a Guardian article, and yeah. maybe it's on all other articles. Yeah, I don't know. So um, just because a business, just because you see more money in the system doesn't mean, hey, let's start jacking up the prices. Do I understand that more money means people are going to be buying more stuff? Yes. But it also means that they can have money left over so that they can invest it and pay for their kids college or a car or something other than, Hey, I need to go get another mortgage because WD 40 is needed in the house, but it's $8 now instead of $2 and 47 cents. Yeah. Anyway, in Europe, PepsiCo and grocery, uh, giant Carrefour have been locking horns. They actually bowed out. They said, see ya to PepsiCo entirely across their chain. Yeah. Though WD-40 chief uh, executive Steve Brass insisted that it's hardly a situation where we're profiteering. He did acknowledge that the lubricant and degreaser specialist is having a lot of conversations with its retailers about how much its cans cost. It's not cutting prices, deflation, but it's not raising them as quickly either, disinflation. No. So wait a second. So it's like, okay, we're raising it five bucks or whatever last month. So now we're only raising it four bucks. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So no, wait, it's we greed. actually raised it nine bucks. <laughs> it's greed and sociopathic, but hey... I'm not the CEO of a billion dollar business plus, you know, I don't know how much the company that is WD 40 is worth anymore. Let's keep going. Next articles over in the mobile channel. None of us want our voices replicated. Voice actors say unions ethical AI deal is bad for humans. Okay. And ethical so, is in quotation marks. Yeah. Ethical. So SAG-AFTRA made, uh, has made a groundbreaking deal with an AI voice generation studio to produce copies of voices uh, actors' voices. The union announced on Tuesday, the deal is the first of its kind in the industry and comes after a 118 day long strike by the union over the summer, which was largely over actors worries that AI might replace them. Well, I hate to break it to you, but voice acting, I think is on its way out because voices can be replicated by an AI 
including the inflection, the emotion, the passion. Yeah, sorry. I didn't freeze. I was waiting I, for more to come after that. Yeah. Um, so, and the reason why I say this is because I have a voice, I have a thing called voice mod, which allows me to manipulate my voice. It even has AI um, extensions to it that are doing things that uh, pr its previous iterations couldn't do. But AI purposely built for voice over the years will become more capable than voice actors at a fraction of the cost <laughs> can be done anywhere on demand. You can experiment without having to pay somebody just to try and say these lines. Hey, why don't you try this out? You know, I have to wait for somebody to get to a microphone, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, I say, I think that voice actors um, are on their way out in bulk. So I actually say bulk voice acting is going away. Um, will it totally? No. Why? Because some people believe that the person is the energy. They're, it's going to have the right cadence. It's going to have the right random inflection, something that isn't... Um, AI would be predictable. It wouldn't necessarily be as creative, but it can be 95% of perfect. And that is the, all I want is a good cup of coffee. I don't need the barista's hands all over my coffee grounds kind of mentality. And that's where I think we're going to end up. So this article is by Jules Roscoe over at uh, vice.com. And the deck statement says a groundbreaking deal with uh, an AI voice generation studio could be the first of many, the SAG-AFTRA national executive director said. Well, here's my problem. It better not, if I don't want my voice replicated, I better not be able to discern my voice in the pool of AI-generated voices or I'm going to feel compelled to sue. Exactly. And then I was going to say one of the other things about voice acting is that sometimes the studios want to be like, hey, actor so-and-so is doing this movie. Yep. Yeah. So they sit there and they spin up an AI and they use the AI generated uh, voice of that, that actor. And if they don't find a voice actor that matches. So here, here's my problem. I can go out and find somebody that is a voice actor that is precariously close to um, what's already out there, right? It's not well, I their guess voice. We saw that with the song, right? That was. Right. Um, I know that wasn't really voice acting, but it right. was supposed to be two artists, but it wasn't actually. Right, and and when you use an AI. See, the thing is that there are billions of people out there and there are, it isn't like DNA or, or uh, fingerprints. The, there isn't anything that is absolutely unique about your voice. I can replicate it. 
Now I can forensically discern your voice from a replicated voice, but uh, I've done this before I've played it for, I've played replicated, um, audio from people who were recorded, then their voice was broken into phonemes. Then it was reconstituted based on a text file played for people and people couldn't tell the difference between the replicated voice and the original voice. The AI is, and this was 15 years ago. So it's only getting better and people dedicated to it are making it dramatically better. Couple to that, what I said earlier, that there are other people out there with a similar voice. They're just not known or they don't have the ambition to be a voice actor. <laughs> uh, basically, I think that there are companies out there that have the ability to justify using an AI generated voice that might be confusingly similar to a known voice actor. And they can simply say, well, we just, you know, rolled the dice and got this one really close, but it's AI. Now it's up to society to go, you know what? We don't want AI generated voice actors. But as soon as something really good comes out and everybody buys into it, game over. Absolutely. Literally. By the way, I have to refer everybody over to another article in hometown today about fingerprints. Oh, there's another one over there, huh? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Maybe would... what we thought about them is not what what is accurate. So there's a lot of interpretation to the originality of each fingerprint. Probably so. I haven't read all the details of it. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to bet that that's what it is. Um, we just don't have everybody's fingerprint, so you just don't know uh, if it's absolutely unique. It's just a statistics game. Um, it might be the same thing for DNA, too. So the deal with Replica Studios, which is really on the nose, a self-described ethical AI voice generation company would allow unionized voice actors to opt into providing their voices to be used as training data for the company. Performers would then approve the use of their AI voice double in projects by game developers at AAA studios. So I know of streamers that are using text to speech that are using cloned voices, similar, but not identical to, um, in one instance, politicians. Um, it's identical. Well, not identical, but it names them in the text to speech and uh, and says who they are so like even bobert is cloned as a text-to-speech voice and you can make that text-to-speech voice say anything anything and when i say anything well, anything anything <laughs> yes so the there's a quote in here i believe the remnant of talented a remnant of talented and deeply committed artists will remain in each field but the bulk of our work will sadly be replaced by ai voice actor steph lynn robinson told motherboard sag after has set a precedent with this agreement and this is only the beginning that's what i said before we got to this article right <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i haven't read this like all of our articles we don't read them um we just have some experience in this stuff so this agreement contains an absolute consent requirement said sag after that's fine that's fine 
but what about the people who aren't a party to this, who are making nearly identical voices simply by listening to it and then tweaking things? That's what's going on with voice mod. There's close, but not identical, but it doesn't need to be identical. It just needs to be confusingly similar, but you can't trademark a voice. Not really. You can copyright the work, but it's the embodiment of the work. Exactly. So as soon as you have that voice to another work. Yeah. Or even a different. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess even a different rendition of it. Yeah. And the problem with the music that was created using synthesized voice, AI voice, if they would have used, uh, created a unique song, unique music, they could have gotten away with it if they didn't sit there and also say, this is the name of the artist that's seeing it. Cause that's fraud. Oh, I thought it was, if it wasn't for the pesky kids, <laughs> them too. That's when you pull out your AI voice box. I would have gotten away with it too. If it wasn't for you pesky AI voice kids. That one's a little too contrived. Anyway, um, there's more to this article. So go and check it out. Um, but basically sag after putting another coffin nail in voice acting. Which I don't really understand, but anyway, I mean, thinking about their membership. Right. You'd think that they would go down in flames defending the integrity of the, the original guild, you know, like, Hey, let's not add AI voice generation to the guild. Let's defend the art. And the only way you're going to get a contract with anything is with end to end humans. The moment you start using AI, we embargo you, you know, we blacklist you because if you're going to sit there and cost us our entire careers, our livelihood, our entire organization at some point. Yeah. You know, why not sit there and completely flame out? Just go, okay. The problem is that people are damn hungry and the billionaire class is the one that can sit there and fuel this until everybody's, you know, on in starvation mode. And again, we're back to sociopathy. They don't care that you are struggling as an actor. It's a meme and a joke and a ha ha and something to exploit. Let's keep going. Uh, the next article is over on the Warcrafter channel. Yes, I game with a trackball mouse in 2024 and it rules. I agree. I used to, um, but uh, I, for me to fix the problem with the brand that this person uses, I would have to desolder many mechanical switches and fix it. And I haven't bothered, even though I could I just have to do it. Um, and there were other things with this, with their manufacturing process, but let's get into this. So, uh, the article says I'm never going back. Look, I tried to be normal with, uh, uh, about PC pointers. I really did. I bought a regular, my wait, I bought regular mice. I think the plural should be mice, but that's okay. Um, the sort whose most exciting feature was their gray scroll wheel hoping their budget blandness would help me forget the discomfort that they were fighting. I do hate having to move my desk over so that I could keep on scrolling to the right 
I know. You're right. You're running out of space. <laughs> That's right. Um, when that didn't work, they paid more than what they wanted for a top tier gaming mouse smothered in buttons, training themselves to uh, get most efficient clicks out of it. So let's go over to pcgamer.com. Carrie Brunskill is the author. The deck statement says there are dozens of us, dozens, which is an arrested development callback for a never nude. Um, and uh, here in the article, uh, they talk about uh, basically a trackball and and mice. I don't like mice. Um, their little pads get dirty. You slide them around, so you have to have a bunch of open space on your desk. Um, depending on what it is, you have to worry about eh, batteries. It's the same thing with this with with a track wireless trackball. But with a wireless trackball, all I have to worry about is that little ball. All the buttons are always in the right angle. All I have to do is wiggle my fingers around. The ball is rolling around wherever I want it to. Bingo, bango, bongo. I, again, I don't like mice, but I have two of them here because what I use What did mice a, ever do to you? I'm thinking about the actual mice. <laughs> they squeak. They squeak a lot. Um, and one of them stole my slice of pizza in New York. And so I'm really bitter. If everything else had already failed, then surely, surely clicking efficiently while my avatar was up to their armpits and dragons and space rabbits had to be the thing that would finally make a difference because there were no other kinds of mice left to try. But no, the trackball, a trackball. This is from the exact same company that I use um, called Elcom. And um, there it is. Elecom, um, they have, uh, at least to me, they have a problem. I used one that is more similar to this than that. I don't know. That's the one that one there is the same as that one right there, but there's another one that <clears throat> they, they refer to this one as the huge, I, maybe they redesigned it, but I don't remember the huge being maybe it, uh, I don't know. It's in my other uh, room anyway. Um, so they're referring to this trackball as the huge, and that's what it is. That's the name of it. Um, Elcom makes it, but they have a problem with it. Um, and that's because they use Ruby bearings embedded inside. There's three of them embedded inside the socket and they're not perfectly smooth. So I had to swap them out and they're tiny with ceramic bearings, um, which are nothing more than just little balls, but the Ruby ones, um, are still not perfectly smooth like the ceramic ones. And so the ball would actually stick and you don't want that. You want the ball to, right. You want it to flow wherever it needs to go. You want your balls to roll around wherever they need to roll around is what I'm saying. And so I had to replace my balls and um, the little spheres so that my balls could roll around because I had two of these Elcom uh, trackballs. So then, and I had done that, and then uh, lo and behold, uh, the switches started to break. And I learned by rooting around that, yes, those switches mechanically fail and the only way to fix it is to tear it all back apart which is an engineering exercise and 
um, and replace it. You have to desolder them and resolder new ones. And I have the new ones, but I just haven't found the motivation. So I went and got a trackball, one that came with my one machine and, and then a razor. But the razor has all of this ugly software. I really don't like it. Anyway, trackballs are awesome. Mice, not so much. I really wish that somebody would develop a better trackball. So um, one that has, you know what? I would pay 250 bucks for a ceramic bearing, mechanically sound switched, uh, huge from Elcom, but that's not what I'm getting. You know, they're just making, I mean, the margin must be either horrendous or very exploitive. You know what I'm saying? So they talk about another company that I actually spoke with. Uh, Elcom makes theirs, but Kensington and Logitech are another big name in the small pond. And then there's also the boutique Game Ball. Now, I actually spoke to Game Ball about the design of theirs. Um, for me, my hand, my use, uh, I don't like the size of their balls. And so... Uh, I notified them of such and they said, Hey, um, you know, maybe, uh, we can send you one when we finish the design. Um, and you can, um, put one of these bigger balls in your hand and see if you like it. And so I'm waiting um, for that. So it says older, new, they're all bulbous creatures. Yes. Balls are bulbous. Um, trackballs may be odd and unfashionable. Some are, some aren't. Some are quite attractive to look at, but the author says they can definitely do uh, odd and unfashionable besides this uh, author was desperate. So you can get the huge wireless trackball uh, from Elcom. And uh, I do recommend it, but you have to be prepared to swap out the little bearings um, and eventually the mechanical switches. So I've said way too much about this, um, but there's more here in this article. And, but I, I don't like any other trackball like this one. You're actually uh, rolling. It's a really big ball in your hand and you basically palm the balls um, of this one. And, you know, you just can't, you can't do that all day. I mean, your hand will go numb or something. I, I don't know. Um, but that's it. Okay, folks, uh, just chalk one up for trackballs, rule, mice, drool, and steal pizza in New York. Uh, the next article is over in the Law Nerd channel. Lawyer sanctioned for trying to file a fake news article as an exhibit. Now, I felt compelled to go over and check this one out because I wanted to, I wanted to know what this was really all about. Was this an AI thing? Well, the article drops right at the beginning. This isn't a story about lawyers using chat GPT, but it could be. Right. I mean, to... it sounds very chat GPT. Right. So uh, the article's over at AboveTheLaw.com. Joe Patrice is the author. Um, Edward C. Chung wanted to drive home his concern that Chevron and some other entities might skip out on the $18 billion arbitration award. 
To bolster his case, he sought to enter a Saudi Sun news article into the record for demonstrative purposes. Or maybe I have to rephrase that. Put the right inflection in the right syllable, right? Demonstrative purposes, right? Um, what it demonstrated was creative writing because the article was phony. Brings fake news to a whole new level, doesn't it? The court sanctioned this guy $268,000. Yeah, that silence is I the mean, AI. I'm trying to figure out what was going on at all in this. Uh, well, this apparently scenario. he created a hypothetical paper and then tried to submit it. Now, it was acknowledged at the time as a hypothetical paper, but the Ninth Circuit Court said, no, we're not interested in your bullshit. You file exhibits that are actually demonstrative of the case, not your fantasy, not a hypothetical. This isn't law why, school. Why not just make an argument or something? Like, I don't know. So here's the quote. Let me zoom in for you. Acute, uh, apparently, Chung also dropped that uh, they that he accused two of the Ninth Circuit judges of an obvious abuse of judicial authority, corruption, and collusion between U Chevron Corporation and its counsel of record, Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher. Now, this right here is pretty much the way that you end up uh, defending yourself in front of an ethics committee, but that's just me um then he didn't show up for the sanctions hearing and questioned whether or not the judge actually signed the sanctions order given so many profound oddities threats and misrepresentations made by or in this case by the by chevron and their counsels stephen donziger story if you wanted to convey how oil companies don't like paying legal debts incurred for what they do in other countries uh, um so while this fake article was a hypothetical, there's a very real risk that artificial intelligence will land while lawyers in sort of ethical quandary. Case law hallucinations can get all the press, but they're likely to soon become a thing of the past as trusted case law archivists offer AI-driven functionality. Um, yeah, this might be interesting uh, as the future moves forward. What I really think is going to happen with case law is even if AI does start leaning more into the case law it's going to be a company like westlaw that allows its archives to be parsed by ai but at an exorbitant rate you want an ai extension assistant it's going to cost you i don't know if right. that's actually out there in the in the open yet but so the article was actually from aba journal um, and it's titled judge sticks with $268,000 sanction for fake news article lawyer filed with appeals court. Um, and they, they kind of go off the, the oh, road. They use a diehard reference in here. <laughs> yeah. Nakatomi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's an interesting article, but really why do a hypothetical this isn't just this isn't a, a lawyer's office argument between sides before your lawsuit you know kicks off before the the trial kicks off this isn't 
sitting there, you know, inflating your throat sack and puffing your chest out and saying, I'm better. You can do that all before you end up in the courtroom. The moment you end up in the courtroom, it has to be factual. Otherwise, you're looking for this. <laughs> right. Isn't an exhibit, um, you know, some sort of evidence? And right. I, I just don't see where this was going. Yeah. This was a big dum-dum. So let's go on. The next article is over in hometown daily. A shark regenerated an entire hole in it. And it's actually not a hole, but we'll talk about it. Um, regenerated an entire hole in its fin in under a year. And scientists got uh, the entire transformation on camera. So it says Chelsea Black wasn't expecting to make a huge discovery when she set out studying sharks. She came upon an astonishing revelation when she witnessed a shark regenerate its wounded fin. The following year, the wound had completely healed and grown 10.7% uh, larger with new fin tissue. Um, and then they say they made an accidental and astonishing discovery while studying the movements of sharks off the coast of Jupiter, Florida. So let's go over to Business Insider. Uh, this is uh, our source. Did I throw it into the... No, I'm sorry. Let's go back to hometown and then I'll copy and paste it into the... Da, da, da. Okay, so this is, looks really gross, but it is what it is, folks. Chelsea Black from the Conver Conversation um, put this article together. Uh, it's from the Conversation, which is a podcast. So this is the fin of a shark, and a big chunk had been taken out of it. This is not a hole. <laughs> this is a big chunk no, taken like out of it. that's like missing a fin almost. I mean, it's not quite, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the pictures that they show as you go through this, um, it's quite fascinating. And I feel like, how did I, I say Sharky gets its fin back, but, um, I feel like this is the kind of thing that people should be researching to see if we can synthesize the process of this regrowth. Um, and, uh, as, uh, they set out to record the migration routes of silky sharks named for their smooth skin. Instead, they, in a story filled with twists and turns, they ended up documenting a rare phenomenon uh, of a shark regenerating a dorsal fin. Um, and so, Justin, I will, uh, I linked you to it so you can follow it. But basically, they have a series of pictures that show this thing healing and then um, not just healing the perimeter, but regenerating back to where um, it looks like that. So oh, this wow. is the this is the area. You can barely make it out in this picture, but um, the shark is numbered four zero nine eight three four. Spotted a year later in June twenty twenty three, and that fin that we saw at the very beginning was, I would say healed but still not formed its natural shape it actually lost the curve the like natural the sloping curve yeah yeah um but that's kind of like mike tyson taking a bite out of somebody's ear you know you're gonna lo lose a little bit you know <sighs> anyway so yeah this is how it looks on one side it looks like that on the other side it looks like that person's ear I mean, it has quite regenerated a lot, 
but yeah, I agree. It doesn't look like the original. Yeah, but still, this is basically reconstituting the gap. This isn't just like scar tissue and everything is just kind of enveloped itself and stayed in that rough shape, which is what happens with humans. Like we regenerate to some degree, but at, we don't do this. We don't fill in gaps. <laughs> you know, if we don't get stitches, basically we get a massive scar. And even with stitches, we get a, a scar that is appropriate with the level of the damage that's done. But can you imagine if we were to be able to fill in the gap? No, you I mean, this can have really significant consequences for medicine. And I think that they actually refer to skin grafts as shark skin. I think there's a synthetic skin graft hmm. called shark skin. Let me see. Um, I'm doing it live, folks. Yeah, shark skin wound dressing. Um, Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's what they call it. Shark skin wound dressing. An advanced full thickness wound dressing that can be rapidly produced and customized at the point of care. It uses micro pattern alone. No chemicals to promote cellular migration. So, dun. so neat. Um, anyway, I knew I had heard of it. So, See, I know a little bit about a lot. Um, their analysis determined that within 332 days, the shark regenerated enough tissue that their dorsal fin was almost back to 90% of its original size, growing back more than half of what it had been cut off in 2022. So pretty amazing stuff. Um, and then they talk about, you know, millions of years of resilience. I mean, they're the apex predator in the sea, I, I, I believe, other than sharks in general, not, not that specific one, but, and then there's like right. blue whales and stuff that, um, and might be way considered back there were mastodon and or not well, mastodon not in, not i want megalodon <laughs> sorry that was the worst water polo way back then with mastodons <laughs> exactly um yeah so pretty cool pretty amazing stuff and this is but i hope that somebody is realizing the fundamental research that can be performed from here uh, what is it about these sharks that allow them to regenerate actual biomass like all of this was regenerated yeah that's pretty... really incredible i'm sure this is going to get a lot of attention i hope so let's keep going the next article is over in technology today at ces tech show seeking robots neither too human nor too machine this is the uh i titled this one uncanny valley remembers um like Hidden Valley or Pepperidge Farms. <laughs> so the thing about this is we don't want to be in the uncanny valley. We want to be on one side where it's all mechanical or we want to be on the other side where it's superhuman. And I can't tell the difference because anything in between is uh, a little creepy. Uh, so with big expressive eyes, elephant ears, and adorable cooing, Miroka and Maroki, could be an apparition from your favorite cartoon. Let's take a look at this. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Wow, that's interesting. Julie Jamut is the author over at Tech Explore. Uh, the Maroki robot from uh, French company Enchanted Tools. I'm going to blow this up so y'all can see it. 
really bad compression. I mean, that looks like a character video. out of a movie. Uh, and I think that's in th- that's the intent. It's from a company called Enchanted Tools, which this is this is wild. So it balances on a ball and can probably roll wherever it needs to, but you're not going to see it going up a flight of stairs. So if it really does creep you out, just go upstairs. It can't bother you. It can haunt you from down below, letting you know that if you come down, it's going to follow you around on this little rubber ball. I'm watching. Mm. Always watching. So it has a little mohawk and little elf ears and big eyes. It looks like a character that and looks like paws. Okay, this is a little too furry for me. Um, But behind their cute facade, these robots are all sensors and engineering and designed to perform the drudgery of logistical support in hospitals or hotels. Why live with ugly machines, says Jerome Monsou, head of Paris-based startup Enchanted Tools, who was on hand to present the pair at the CES tech show in Las Vegas. Uh, I could cut their heads off and erase their colors, but I'm not sure you'd want to share your daily life with them. I may. Uh, Amazon is currently testing Abilities Digit, a two-legged android that wouldn't Uh, Look out of place in Star Wars to carry plastic bins in its warehouses. It all sounds creepy. So they talk about filling jobs. At the same time, labor shortage has been the number one problem since COVID across different industries. Today, we have roughly 18 million job vacancies. So where it makes economic sense, they're phasing out the human. So I hate to break it to you. (laughs) Either you want a job and you work in one of these industries at a rate that they are asking you to work for or a robot is going to replace your butt and you're going to be once good once that happens uh, that job's not coming back yep that's right how many how many grocery stores have you gone to where they've moved to the self-checkout um system and then they said you know what this isn't working Let's go back to having more employees costing us more money. No, that's not how it right. works. No, I don't think we see that anywhere. And that's what's going to happen with this. That's what's going to happen with artificial intelligence and voice acting. That's what's going to eventually happen with artificial intelligence, machine learning, and actors in general. Because, yes, some people really do care about the human. Some of us don't. All we want is a good, fun show. And if it's hyper-realistic and I can't tell the difference between a human and a bot, guess what? I want the story. It's just like reading a book. I don't know. There isn't an actor in that book. It's the one author that created that work. So the characters within it, I'm fascinated by. And the world building, I'm fascinated by. And I don't care who the actor is going to be necessarily. I hope that if it does get turned into a movie, it's not a bad actor. But until then, what do I care? I just want a good cup of coffee. They say frightening. Two-legged, mobile, and autonomous humanoids still have a long way to go before they leave the laboratory, but some of their precursors have at least made it out to CES, like Moxie and Aura, a highly anthropomorphic robot that entertains patrons at the Sphere. Las Vegas' new concert venue. I don't know if that can be considered new anymore. But um, I've actually seen these. 
um, at the sphere, not in person, but um, they're fixed. I, I they, think we saw a video featuring that. Yeah. And, and they're programmed and they respond to various inputs, but it's programmatic and, and static, somewhat static. There's a little dynamism, dynamism in there. But anyway, um, did you want me to? Dun, 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 there you go. So above all, he added, it creates an expectation of behavior similar to our own and therefore a risk of uh, a risk of disappointment because the robot doesn't see and understand the world as we do and won't for years to come. So, yeah, it says nobody wants to have one in their home or hospital on a daily basis. I would love to have one of these. Walking around. If it's around. a cute robot, sure. Not if it's one of the creepy ones. Yeah, we want we want them on either side of the uncanny valley. We don't want the pit fiends that are in the uncanny valley. No, thank you. Uh, I'm good. You but I think your... having a robot that helps and does routine things could be a good thing. Sure. Yeah. I, and I think it would be fun to have this thing walking around the house and, you know, walk up and go, hey, Mayor Watt, do you want a drink? Uh, yeah, sure. And then it can go over and grab a drink. Although we might end up like Wally, you know, that that uh, all of those those really big guys, big people uh, on the floating cars and stuff. Do you remember that? No, I don't think I've actually seen Wally. Uh, oh, yeah. You're from the future, but you don't have all of the information. OK, that's OK. Well, maybe I can play it. Um, so let's keep on going. Though. Got two more articles. This next article is over in Greenagram. First approval for controversial seabed mining worries scientists, worries uh, Mayor Watt, too. Researchers say the Norwegian government ignored warnings for, of potential ecosystem harm. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, Natasha Gilbert over at nature.com put the article together. Granting anybody to do seabed mining is asking for. I mean, don't for... we have enough issues with the oceans as it is? Yeah. This is about greed, not need, and will come at a significant cost to our environment for present and future generations. The problem is mining on the seabed in your particular area is kind of like treating climate change as an isolated event. No, exactly. This is impacting everybody else. Isn't it like the thing where they were sinking the um, ship or where they're um, not Norway, but another country was doing that in South America. And then the thing where they're releasing the um, nuclear Oh, water and stuff like that off the coast of Japan and off of Japan. I yep. mean, all of these things impact yep. beyond the country borders. Yep. Yep. DDTs off the coast of uh, Oregon here in the United States and uh, everywhere else. It's it's really twisted. But Matthew Gianni, co-founder of Deep Sea Conservation Coalition and advocacy group in Amsterdam, said it true. It's gonna it, it is. A clear and present danger. It it really will cause great harm at some point, right? The depending on how they're going to do it, right? Um, so Norway's parliament voted eighty twenty, the Pareto rule. Wow, Pareto principle eighty twenty. 
um, in favor of allowing mining on its continental shelf in the Norwegian sea to map and investigate whether sulfides and manganese crusts on the seabed um, in its national jurisdiction could be extracted profitably. These uh, metals are currently mined on land. So mine them on land. Um, anyway, the Norwegian government, which has been pursuing its mining plan since 2020, says the seabed extraction is necessary to ensure sufficient supplies of metals such as manganese and cobalt used in the manufacturing of electronic, um, sorry, electric vehicle batteries and other electronics uh, to help the transition to a low carbon economy. So we're going to cause damage to the sea so that you can drive around on the land. God. That makes a lot of sense. It really depends on what's going to end up happening because it, depending on how they do the mining, if you're going to sit there and do like they do in some places like mountaintop mining and they just strip the whole thing apart and just get in there, it's going to be bad. So they say, although research on the ecological impacts of deep sea mining is limited, studies are beginning to show that it could harm species on the seabed by crushing them with machinery or smothering them with plumes of sediment that are kicked up by mining activities. And they were actually make a reference there. There's a citation. Um, Scientists and discovered that's not good. That means there's been some study that shows that. <laughs> yeah. The the reason why don't place bag overhead is on bags is because some idiot put a plastic bag over their head and died. Uh scientists discovered that species in water columns such as jellyfish are also at risk naturally because all of the debris that's gonna be thrown up there. Yes, I know debris. Um anyway, many researchers and governments are calling for a moratorium until more is known about the deep sea ecosystem. We'll never know enough because we know, and then we realize there's something else. Um, and I always suspect that if they do this kind of thing, coral in the region is going to meet its demise fish and, and just the, the flora and fauna of the sea is going to be wiped out in the immediate area. And then the moment that they hit something that they weren't aware of, or, um, the machinery starts leaking, uh, diesel fuel or hydraulic fluid or something oil or whatnot, it's going to become an environmental disaster. And I don't think that the Norwegian government really wants that. So there you go, folks. First approval for controversial seabed mining worries, scientists. I give it about a week until somebody uh, tries to get an injunction here. It's in Norway. Who knows? Uh, the next article is over in Technology Today. This is the last one for tonight. Everyone hates plowing snow. The updated Yarbo robot cleans up while you're inside. Yarbo is a modular yard work robot that plows snow and blows leaves so you don't have to. At CES 2024, we saw an update that could make a big difference. Guess what I want for early Christmas or late Christmas, early 2024 Christmas or late 2023 <coughs> Christmas. Exactly. Yarbo, look at that. Ah. The uh, author of this, Nick Wolney, over at CNET.com, put the article together. And uh, what the heck? Um, they say, when they were a, a wee lad growing up in the rural hills of Illinois. A wee lad in Illinois? Why would... I thought that wee... was an Irish thing. Huh. Okay. Anyway, the dreaded snowstorms 
Uh, they dreaded snowstorms because it meant that they'd have to bundle up and shovel the driveway for their mom. The next morning, dreamt up of a utopian future in which robots could do this work. Well, CES 2024, that dream became reality. See, the problem with robot snowplow is that you'd have to sit there. St- I guess I could just sit in the in the garage with the heater going and just let the bot. I wouldn't have to worry about somebody stealing it because I'd be there. But it's like the lawnmower, you know, I want a lawnmower, but I know that somebody's from outside hometown is going to come charging into hometown and steal it off of the mayoral mansions, uh, you know, vast 40 acres. Well, but in a snow uh, time, are there a lot of people running around trying to steal things outside? Are you kidding? You're from the future. You should know. Wait, yes. we don't have any snow in the future. Oh, I've said oh. too much. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Oh, no. And this is recorded. I'm going to have to this rewind this episode. We can't get this back. It's out there. The internet never forgets. What have you done? Oh, no. Oh, look, I'm fading away. Oh, I'm melting. Oh. Anyway, Yorba's a modular robot. It's a yard robot. A yard bot. Oh, Yarbo. A Yarbo. It's a yard oh. robot. <laughs> I didn't connect that. <laughs> I slow walked that. <laughs> Still got surprised. That's awesome. Uh, their newest attachment, the Snowblower S1 Plus. I knew somebody that had that nickname. Um, improves on the older S1 with the ability to process snowdrifts 16 inches high. A timely benefit as the world, as the uh, first big winter storm of the season barrels across the U.S. this week. There was one previously, and now there's another one. So I guess this isn't the first, it's the second. Anyway, I won't nitpick. Um, so it's, uh, the body is $4,500 and the additional components range from $1,500 to $2,500 in price. So if you want this, um, it's basically a used car. (laughs) Right. It would be much cheaper to pay somebody to do this for you. Yeah. I mean, even if you were to pay somebody $200 every winter to come and snow blow the stuff off of your driveway, you could do this, you know, you could do that for 20 years. That seems more cost effective as much as this robot seems like a great thing to have. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to leave that alone. So, no, I don't want this. This is for the people who have so much money that they don't even consider this a spend. You know, they're they're like, eh, ah, sure. Or they have like tons of property that they need to clear. <laughs> but then you just pay somebody $500 and you're still, you, you get at least eight years of snow blowing out of the... Now, I guess it depends on if this thing, if you're always inundated with snow and this thing is just churning out you know, all day long, just blowing all of Norway out into the sea. (laughs) You like how I did that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, for all of you with a whole bunch more of uh, disposable income than Mayor Watt, you know, because 
Marwad isn't raking in that streaming dollar. Oh, speaking of that, follow us here. Come and hang out here at twitch.tv slash ohmtown. Go over to YouTube. Follow us over there. We're growing pretty fast over there. At least, you know, without doing any viral marketing all over the place, like becoming a dumpster fire so I can get some attention or doom scrolling. Uh, there's a person that uh, I see pop up from time to time, but the only time I ever see them streaming is when something horrendous is happening. And I'm like, Oh God, this is, this is what you want to do. All right. I'm not poo pooing what they're doing in terms of like, Oh, nobody should do that. But come on. That's not something you want to be doing. It's not what I want to do. And it's definitely not something that I want to do. Like whenever, like, no other thing. I don't do anything else. Just pop up. Right, but you don't want that to be your sole thing. Yeah. So that's why hometown was built so that there was, I have, there's 50 things that I'm interested in here as a category. And then each of those 50 categories actually have a whole bunch of other things that funnel into each of those 50 channels. They're not, I mean, it's a diverse concept in many of the channels. So anyway, um, go and check it out. It's a lot of fun. Hometown.com. So everybody, we're done. Get back on the party bus and drive all the way back. I mean, 10 whole blocks. You had to drive 10 whole blocks back to the welcome sign at hometown. You know what? I'm going to do it. Haven't done that for a long time. Oh my God. No, I probably shouldn't have. Okay. That's it, folks. I am done. And my music stopped again. Music was playing and then it just stopped. I'm getting really irritated. All right. Well, anyway, I'm Mayor Watt. Thanks for hanging out. Hometown's right there, hometown.com. And up there is the visualizer for the sentient AI to say goodnight. Now, you can't wave. Goodnight, hometown citizens. <laughs> I'm waving. I'm waving. <laughs> Nobody uh, says that. We will see you tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then don't forget to watch us on the weekend for... Um, Reality Hacker and Continuity Report after the the Hometown Daily show. Very, yeah. Six o'clock for uh, Hometown Daily and then seven-ish for Continuity Report and Reality Hacker. Dun, dun, dun. Is that it? Dead air? I think so. Hey, you guys want to go and uh, look at something funny? Uh, Look up the exercise called dead bug. Bye.